0: What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to the third intermission podcast on a Sunday night. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying warm because right now in Canada, it is cold up in here. We are back with a new episode of the podcast. It's myself, Avery, filling in for our leader, Dave, tonight. Join my Marsha. How are you doing, Marsha?
1: I am doing the bestest, trying to stay warm. My <laughs> my computer is feeling the the repercussions. It's sweating right
0: now. Oh gosh, I, <laughs> that I- is tough. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we're joined by one of the hardest working men in all the sports media in this country. I, I mean, he is West Indian, so he's got forty five jobs. It is the one, the only from Yahoo Sports Canada, from the Athletic. It is the one, the only. Julian McKenzie. Julian, what's going on, sir?
2: I'm going, I'm going very well. Uh, I should be working right now, but uh, you know. <laughs> 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 uh, I knew I knew there is a reason why I have so many jobs. It's the ancestry oh. is the West yeah. Indian in me. I can't stop.
0: Yo, people yeah, don't
2: hey. understand. They're like, how do you do this? It's like yeah. it it's is it's just what it is.
1: If I don't, I'm bored or generational
2: trauma. It's one of the two. Yo. <laughs> yo. Yo, 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 yo. That's crazy. Yo, yo. Let's just get to the questions, man. That's crazy. Oh. We start talking about generational trauma on this show.
0: Yo. Oh, my gosh. Yo. She man. went there. I, I yo, Marsha so ain't lying. Rest, yo. yo. I don't see any lies. and <laughs> Julian, it's a Pleasure to have you on. And when I say you are the hardest working men in hockey media, and you truly are, you are someone who's worked for the Athletic. Right now, you're covering the Calgary Flames. You've you've been a, a weatherman in Montreal. You covered the Habs. You covered the Alouettes. You went to Syracuse School in Syracuse. I mean, just what does it meant to see your hard work pay off now as a beat writer for an NHL cl- covering NHL club? Sorry, that, that's a job in which people in this country who work in sports media. Would love to work for for the athletic and cover NHL teams. What would it be like your journey to go from Montreal and now in your role covering the Calgary Flames on a daily basis?
2: It's pretty wild when you – sometimes I think about, like, where I was – sorry, excuse me – a couple of years ago, and now I'm where I'm at now. And as much as I see the prestige in a job like this and the attention that comes with it, And whatever benefits come with it, and the people I get to talk to, and the things I still get to do on top of it, as much as I have all that, like I don't see it as like, okay, like this is the dream job and I made it. I don't see this as like a final spot. I see this as like a really big stepping stone. Like this is like a a big checkpoint, I think, in my life that if I want to ascend to do bigger things, like sit in David Amber's chair on hockey night in Canada for example like jobs like jobs like this one are going to put me in the right direction towards what I want so it's it's a it's been a really wild ride a lot of a lot of working a lot of jobs a lot of hours but I feel like it's 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 paid off a bit and I just have a lot more work to do and a lot more racetrack to run to get to where I want so it's a I'm 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 on my way. It's a journey. I'm on my way.
0: And Julie, of course, you—that's that's a brand that has grown uh, leaps and bounds from when it was first established a few years ago. And what was your first reaction to? Of course, you you're an editor there first. What was your reaction when you heard that? Hey, you know, I'm going to be moving from Montreal, I'm moving to Calgary because you're, of course it was your first time really in Alberta, first time experiencing that. Like, was it like, when did it really set in that you're going to be moving to Alberta and be that beat writer? Because this is a job in which, like I mentioned, people want to be here. And your voice, it already carried a lot of authority. Your voice is already well-respected. But when you're covering an NHL team, your voice gains so much more weight in the hockey world.
2: Yeah. um, It only really hit me, I think, when I got to the airport, the the Mm. day I moved. And the morning I moved, I was with my parents because they helped me move everything into my apartment. And I was texting uh, Arpen Basu, who covers the Canadians in Montreal. And that day he was traveling to Buffalo for Canadians Rookie Camp. And I just texted him by chance because we had gone out to a bar a couple of nights earlier. And he said that he was leaving for Buffalo the same day I was leaving. And I just texted him on a whim just to see if he was, uh, if he was at the airport at the same time. And I think his flight was about to leave, but he stopped at my gate and saw me and we just, we hugged and he was like, I'm proud of you. I was really happy for you. And and he met my parents and then he ran off. And then next thing you know, we got to go on the plane and and we were doing the, the four and a half hour flight and we took the taxi. And I thought of moving on up by from the Jeffersons in my head, the whole drive. And <laughs> yeah, I think. That day, that's when it really hit me that I was leaving because everything before was you have everyone being really excited about the announcement and fine, all your friends and family are saying goodbye, but, you know, at the end of the day, maybe something happens and maybe you wake up, it's all a dream and you don't actually move. Maybe I get cold feet and I say, screw this, I'm not moving, and I'm just not going to do this. But I think once we got to the airport that day, September 15th, It's like, all right, this is this is the beginning of the next of this big next chapter in my life.
0: That's amazing, you know. And you've done you already done some great stories covering the flames. You've had a lot of like you are known for your feature articles. And one of your best stories you've done so far was talking about the massive off season in which Bachelor Living, you know, went off. And we we see it before in this podcast, Julian, that. Um, Jason on a show called Brad Living, the master finesser. I say he should get a gold do-rag for GM of the year. Like, just what was it like, Julian, to get that story out there that really broke down every bit of Brad Living's summer in which he made some massive trades and showed that, hey, he is going to make sure that this Calgary Flames team can succeed for a long time to come because when people felt like a truck deal happened and the other deals that came through, people thought the flames were toast, but he honestly saved his job this summer, Julian.
2: I don't know if I ever want to picture Brad Trilliving in a gold do-rag. <laughs> I think Brad Trilliving is a nice man. Um, he, he's a, he generally is like a, a pretty cool person to talk to. And I really, I did not expect him to, um, be as forthcoming as he was with me when we spoke for that story. Um, I really enjoyed talking to him for, it was like a 30 minute conversation. It was really cool. Uh, Yeah. It was just an idea that I had when I started on the beat and I knew how ambitious it was and I wanted to see it through, but I knew I had to work hard and get everybody. And I knew it wasn't something that I was going to have to do before like I know the the Kachuk came to Calgary like last Tuesday. Like if I started at the beginning of the month, like that would have been there's no way I would have been able to get it done right. So just from training camp, just getting some time with everyone who was involved player wise and getting to talk to Matthew over the phone, I could I can understand why he was this affable personality who was maybe polarizing to certain people in Calgary too. And talking to Brad and and talking to uh, Bill Zito as well in Florida. <laughs> there's a funny story uh, I remember. I was at a Flames practice. It was a Saturday because it was a Hockey Night in Canada game. And that might have been one of the first times I'd ever met Scott Oak. Scott Oak, who legendary reporter for CBC, Hockey Night in Canada. And we were talking and we're going through, you know, all the media availabilities for that day. And then I get a phone call and it's Bill Zito, the GM of the Panthers. And he says, hey, I have time now to talk. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to break away into this room. I'm just going to talk because I've been trying to get him for days. And I'm just sitting in the media lounge, just looking to talk. And I see Scott come in and he's trying to get my attention. And he's like saying a bunch of like stupid crap. Like he's making all these jokes. And then I I give him the phone signal. And then he's like, oh my God. Like I didn't, I'm like, he didn't realize I was on the phone. He didn't see my earbuds or anything. But he almost, he almost tried to cut off my call with, with Bill Zito. And it was trying to distract me. And I think after the, like the next time I saw him, he was like, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, I, I did beat that. It's okay. And I'm like, no dude, it, it's fine. I, I It's totally fine. But uh, uh, I would really love one of those hockey night in Canada towels as a, as a trade off. So uh, hopefully if I, if I, I think uh, once I get one of those fame towels that you see uh, the players uh, wear during after hours, then I think Scott, then I think I'll officially forgive Scott Oak. But uh, in the meantime, You know, pay what you owe. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll make a
1: list there. So, okay, maybe not a gold do-rag for true living, but um, gold cowboy hat. um, Hockey Night in Canada towel for you.
2: (laughs) Retro living... Like, like you, you guys all know, we all know his family. Like, they're the guy, the people behind Boston Pizza. If he yeah. wanted to get a gold cowboy hat, Brad Living <laughs> and his father Jim could easily do that if they so chose. Yeah. They could. They, if they wanted to wear gold do rags, they could make that happen. I don't think that will ever happen, but they could do it.
1: That would be an, an interesting story, a rabbit hole to go down. Honestly,
0: but
2: I don't even know if Brad Living knows what a do rag is. Teach him, bring a picture. what it is. I've never worn a do rag, I've never had waves in my hair, so like it's not like I could teach him anything either.
1: A couple of YouTube tutorials before you go, and then just
2: I'm not going phone. to do that. I, I don't want to go to the Flames PR staff and be like, Hey, I want to spend 20 minutes with Brad Treliving so I could teach him the art of wearing a do rag. Do you realize how wild that is? I mean, what was
1: it, a few months ago, the, the Leafs with Mark Frazier, they were having, sitting around having beef patties.
2: Oh, I remember that. That's not the that same cool.
0: leaflake. <laughs> no, it's not the same wavelength at
2: all, but I'd rather do that. If, if it comes to that, if you're like, hey, like my mom made these patties and like, you know, you can have some, you know, something like that. That's a, that's a nice thing to do. I'm not going to get in any morality trouble if I offer an HLGM a Jamaican delicacy, like a homemade delicacy. That's fine. Uh, talk about do rags? I don't know. Let's let's table that conversation, okay?
1: Okay, okay. We'll give it, we'll give it some rest. We'll give it some rest. Um, let's table it. Continue, continuing on on the topic of the flames, like over the past few months, I know they've kind of had a little bit of a rough start, but um, going into the rest of December, what what are you hoping to see from them as you continue to cover?
2: consistency. I think from their standpoint this is a team that's still just kind of up and down. Like they'll have games where they look pretty good. They're slowly starting to figure out how to uh, where they they've had games where they'll start off with a big lead and then the other team will push back hard on them and they'll inevitably blow that lead. It happened a lot on on one of their first road trips of the year where they were going through uh the state of New York and New Jersey and in the last in the last little while, they're starting to get a little bit better with that. So, I think some consistency on their part would be, I think, for those guys, especially, would be welcomed. A guy like Nazem Kadri, who started off really well, like he's cooled off. He got an assist against Washington over the weekend, but he had he went through like seven games without a point. Like, he he cooled off a lot. And I don't, I mean, maybe it's fair to ask if the short summer that he had with the cup and everything else he was doing, is that starting to catch up to him? I think it's a fair question to ask, but I'm not sure if that's the case. And I don't think he'll, he'll admit to anyone if that is the case, but yeah, just seeing some of, I mean, some of the new guys, any opportunity for them to gel more Uh, Jonathan Huberto, obviously a lot of is expected from him. His, his, his stats are well off the pace of what he was able to get last year first 100-point season in his career and within Florida, and it doesn't look like he's going to get too close to that this year in the system that he's in, but you know, with the schedule looking as it's looking, like a lot of those road games they were playing were were along the East Coast, and again, you got to beat the opponent who's in front of you, but I'm sure, I mean, they could probably use some lighter competition in the Western Conference. Everyone's saying the Western Conference is supposed to be uh, an easier time, but there's a lot of good teams there. I mean, I I know Colorado's hurt, but they, they're going to be looked at as a, as a favorite again. Vegas is running away with the division right now. Even Seattle, they can't even sleep on Seattle. They're a fast team. They have the Rookie of the Year and Matty Beneers. Like, you know, they, they got to get some results against those 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 teams in in the Western Conference and take advantage of being in the same time zone or or slightly or, or at least close to it as opposed to what they were playing in the East uh, over the last month and a bit. So, yeah, I think consistency on their part as a whole, and I know you contribute that to a few players, but consistent consistent consist, wow i can't speak english anymore consistency consistency that's what's needed
1: yeah. no i i i would definitely agree like i watch them every so often and sometimes i wonder like is it just how the team is currently being put together or do we think that we need to go through with a whole bunch of major moves like i don't know i feel like Calgary's in this weird limbo year right now
2: I don't know if limbo year I I guess with the way that everything's going I get why maybe limbo might be used but let's get it real when they got Huberdo and Uyghur and Kadri and they signed them to those deals and you look at the ages of those guys this is they they started a window I mean they they already had a a window of of being competitive but this is this, I think for the next three, four, I really think of the next three, four years, like this is a Flames team. This is probably going to be at the peak of that window because a lot of those guys will start to be on the wrong side of 30. And maybe some of those contracts won't age well. And the Flames will have to deal with that pain later down the road. But right now, where Huberto's at, he's going to be 30 next year, I think. Mackenzie Weaker's 28. Now some Cadres older than 30 right now they need to find a way to win with this core as it is. They need to figure this stuff out. And, and, the, and, the, and the interesting thing is that I think a few people around the league, and we'll see how that changes as the next month goes on, but I find a lot of people around the league are giving them are giving them the benefit of the doubt because of how they're built, especially from the center, where you have Elias Lindholm, who's a really good two-way center. Now some Kadri again, I th- even though he has cooled off, see he, he gives them what they need with energy when he's on. And then Michael Backlund, who doesn't have to play in this top six role, he could be really effective on a third line with Blake Coleman. Like that's a really good one through three center depth, I think, and I think that could work in a postseason series. So, and their defense too. I think they're in the top five in terms of like fewest shots allowed per game amongst the NHL teams. Like they they can go through games where they don't allow a lot of shots. They just they also just need the goaltending to be really good too with with Dan Vladar and and Jacob Markstrom. So. They need a few things to work out, but I, I, I also agree with those pundits too. I think they could still be a really competitive team, and I think they'll make the playoffs.
0: Julian, got to ask you: just, um, this is your first time dealing with Daryl Sutter, and many people know he can be—he's an interesting coach in terms of this from the sound bites, in terms of how he handles his roster, and you know, I want one of the burning questions that's been happening in Calgary for quite some time is the case of Matthew Phillips, who has been in the AHL with the Wranglers, having a great year, 30 points in 20 games, and Sutter has been averse, for whatever reason, to bring him up. I know our colleague, Salim Sol- Valji, asked him, and Daryl got pretty snippy when asked about him. Just, What are your thoughts on Daryl Sutter's, um, I guess, aversion to digging into the farm team with the Wranglers this year? It's
2: a good question. I think... I mean, Daryl Sutter, one of the first things I've noticed with him is that he's very big on pedigree and experience and Stanley Cup rings. And maybe that's not that different from so many other coaches in in the National Hockey League. But when a coach like him has won two rings and has been around the sun as much as he has and has all those players in the locker room, you kind of can get a feeling that. He's going to rely a lot on those guys to do well. Why do you think a guy like Milan Lucic will get as much time as he does? Uh, even though he's a fourth line player, he's he's very valued by Sutter in that core that they've they've put together. Um, and and, and unfortunately, I think for like a guy like Jacques Pertier, who fine he's not the reigning HL player of the year, but he had was I think he was on like an 11 game point streak. He was doing really well. He didn't have points in his first five games, then he picked up his game two. That's a guy who's a little bit younger than Matthew Phillips. It's a little bit bigger than him too. And as a guy who's also trying to get his defensive game going as well, there are opportunities, unfortunately, for him that are a little bit blocked. But also at the same time, in his case, he still has room to grow. He still has time to grow. Uh, so there are – there are, an opportunity I think will come for him in and, and Connor Zaire, who's really going through his first full year of pro right now. I know he was injured last year. For Maddie Phillips, I, I've watched him play only once, and I think I'd like to watch him be effective more at the AHL level. Um, and, and look, I think size we've we've seen this league, like smaller guys can find ways to make it work. Like I think of a guy like Braden point, for example, Johnny Gaudreau was in Calgary for all these years and he found a way to, to make it work at his size. Um, and I wonder if Daryl Sutter looks at Matthew Phillips and just thinks he's just a little too small to really make it work in the league. Small guys can work, but look at the small guys that exist for the flames right now in absence of Goudreau and, and Dylan, du- Dylan Dubé at like five ten is a short guy, or or Andrew Magiapani around that same size. Blake Coleman is also in that tier too, but like they're at least one eighty pounds. It's less. I think it's less about like when people look at Matthew Phillips. I think people need to focus less on the fact that he's five that he's five seven, and more on the fact that he's like one forty five. And for a team like the Flames that wants to play this like heavy, mean, defensive, even physical style of play, you have to wonder, is Matthew Phillips a fit for that system? I think with the opportunities he's gotten at the HL level, while, you know, we've seen guys perform really well at the HL level before, and maybe it doesn't translate into absolute success at the NHL level. At least some of those guys get some kind of a chance unless some crazy thing happens to them. I think it'd be cool for Matthew Phillips, for his sake, if he'd be able to go to another organization that doesn't rely on plague as heavy of a system like what Daryl Stoud is trying to do in Calgary. And maybe he finds a home there. He thrives there. He plays well. He, he seems like a good kid and he's, he's someone who's who's worked his butt off to be where he's at. And I can understand, hey, maybe he needs to size up a little bit more, but there's no denying he has offensive talent to make it work at the pro level. But I just think with the way that the Flames are set right now, I just with the way that the lineup looks, the players that are there, the style they're trying to play, I'd be really surprised if the Flames said, okay, Matthew Phillips, let's plug him into the lineup. People are saying, hey, he should play top six. Who are you moving off the top six? Tyler Toffoli, Elias Lindholm, Jonathan Huberto again, Dubé, Maggiapane, those two guys are starting to play well. Kadri, who are you moving off? I mean, some people are saying you could move Dubé to the third line. Maybe, I guess, but I don't know. I think he fits on that second line with Kadri and Maggiapane, right? I don't know. I, I I I'm not saying I don't want Matthew Phillips up there. I think if he's given that opportunity, it's obviously a great story. And if he finds a way to make everyone look stupid and he produces at a high level at the NHL level, like that's even better for him. That's great. But I also understand why, with the way the Flames look right now, maybe they don't want him in that lineup.
0: Man, it's fair enough. Fair enough. Come over for me before I send things over to Marcia again. Uh, you know, I just wanted to ask you. Know, of course, Yahoo is the only thing you've done. You are also part of. You are the ringleader. For Yahoo Sports Canada's Zone Time, a show that we do with myself, you, uh, Omar, Samantha Chang, uh, um, Arun Savrasin, we were all on here. And one of the big things that Yahoo's done with Zone Time is it's known for being a hockey show and a prominent brand with all people of color. Women have a prominent role in the show, and it's one of the men to have a show that's talking hockey and be predominantly and embracing the fact that there are people of color and women like Sam and who have prominent roles because for a very long time, hockey shows didn't go out of their way to make a point of emphasis um, promoting voice in the hockey world that are not white.
2: I think it's more than just having the, the diversity there and then just watching a show and then be like, oh, okay. You know, we see a Asian person and like three black people on an episode at a given time. I think the cool thing about zone time and I think you guys on the third intermission show do as well. Like you get to know their personalities and their upbringing more or like the cool thing about zone time is, is that, and again, your show does this too. It's more than just a show where it's like, okay, we're all just, we all just happen to be people who know how to talk hockey and make a show work for 45 minutes. You're going to hear us bust out a line of Patois, like at some point, you know? (laughs) You're gonna hear Tic Tac Toe War cuss the Leafs like a like a old what old Jamaican uncle sitting on his chair downstairs yelled at the TV at different times, right? Like that's that's what it is. That's part of the change in the culture. Like it's one thing for people like us to have these platforms where we can do shows like that, but can you imagine if you're you're of Jamaican or or of any type of Caribbean descent? And you listen to a hockey podcast and they do stuff like that. Like I can't think of any other show that would do that other than what we have, honestly. So yeah, like I, I think the shows that we, the the zone time show, it's more than just another vehicle where you can see persons of color show that they can talk hockey and, and, and that we're making the, the sport a little bit more inclusive. It's more than just a face value thing. It's really about, just letting your hair down and 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 kicking your feet back and being you and just being chill and being unapologetic about it. There are gonna be people who are gonna come up in our comments and be like, Oh, you guys are you guys are really filling up the quotas, diversity quotas. Congratulations, guys. Well, who cares? Congratulations. You felt mad enough to to comment on our episode that you got butthurt about the fact that the show's mad diverse. Thank you. Seriously, tell all your other friends who don't like that type of stuff to watch our show and be mad because really, we could use the clicks. And I really feel that considering where I think I am in my career, Avery, where you are in your career, uh, TikTok Tac Tomar, who I, I try to sing his praises to, to anybody, uh, Sam Chang, who already has a very popular pro- uh, podcast with the broadcast, uh, Rehef uh Arun Srinivasan. You know, it's funny, you know, we didn't mention Justin Cuthbert and all this, but you could technically say he's like the first person from that show to kind of graduate onto bigger and better things. Yes, yeah. At at the same time, I get he's a white man. So I guess it kind of goes against what I'm saying a little bit. But the point is, is that, and Justin's great. Uh, but the point is, is that this, is I think that's also going to be a show where people are going to realize the talent that's there. And then they're going to eventually go out and do all these great things. And then people are going to look back and be like, Holy crap! All these people started on the same web show, and they just talked about Kodak Black in a in a luxury suite at a Panthers game once. Like that 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 I think is gonna be, it's gonna be cool. I think it's gonna be cool that way. So I'm really happy with Zone Time. I'm especially proud for you know the fact I have all the other shows like the athletic, the athletic hockey show and and the CJ show. But Zone Time is very special to me, and I'm I'm humbled and, and honored to 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 lead everybody on that show it's a it's a great it's a show i take pride
1: in and with that i want to like take space to actually like give you your flowers because Avery said it already like you've done so much in your time within hockey but really wanted to say thank you and like huge shout out to you for doing what you do paving the way for people small little people like me who eventually want to like break further into this space like it's so inspiring to see someone put in so much work and have so many accolades in on on both coasts of this country um and to see people actually appreciate everything that they do so like i hope you recognize that don't brush aside any of the hard work that you do um i, I look forward to what's coming because uh, I'm, I'm super excited me your, too your, i yeah, don't I know what season. the hell's
2: coming <laughs> uh but that really means a lot coming from you uh i think it's important to pave the way for the future but i think i also have a responsibility to um pave some kind of way for people who look like me who want to get into the space to to make something work so that really means a lot coming from you marcia thank you
0: yeah julia you are you're a trailblazer and you are someone who i hope i hope hope people in this country and people i don't know about
2: trailblazer i think trailblazer is a bit much i'm not Willie o'ree you know Like I, I had, I had, I had like a beer or well, a drink with a uh, Tariq El-Bashir who covers the watch who's covered Alexander Ovechkin since he's been in the league, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when he got into the league, he had Eric Stevens who was working in California for how many years before, you know, like I look at those guys, if anything, William Doug, William Douglas, who has the the, the color of hockey blog uh, as an example, David Amber is on TV. um. Those guys, if anything, are more trailblazers than I'll ever be. I'm just, I'm just benefiting off the fact that the space has been welcoming enough where those people can can have careers and do well. And then I know I worked my ass off to get to the point. Cappy Richards is also in this as well, uh, even though he doesn't really consider himself like a pure like hockey guy. He's a sports guy, but still, like he's hung out with enough hockey players, he's eaten cereal at the Stanley Cup. He could be considered a hockey guy. But like those people have worked their asses off to get success, and I'm just happy that I'm able to follow in their footsteps and, 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 and do well and, and find a, a lane and a space where I think I can do well. And it's great that people are happy with my work and and they, if they, they take inspiration, that's even better. That's amazing. Uh, I don't want Trailblazer because I don't think that's actually true. I think that's, I'm, I'm happy to be walking along that path. I don't think Trailblazer is, is an appropriate word for me though.
0: You say it now, but I feel like, I feel Julian. Like in a couple of years, I feel there's going to be a kid in Calgary who looks like us, who will say, you know what, I read Julian's pieces, I saw him on TV, I heard him on the radio, and that's who I want to aspire to be like one day, be it covering the flames or any hockey content, so that's why I apply it to you, because in a sport in which space hasn't always been the most welcoming you are doing an amazing, amazing work in a market, which it can be tough sometimes to be black and talk hockey. What do you are right now? So I, I could see one day a kid in right now in junior high, high school, college, want to be like you and want to seek advice from you one day, man.
2: I'll be ready for that, man. Uh, that does mean a lot, though. So thank you. That, That's, yeah, that's, that, that really, that's really cool. I thought we were going to talk more hockey this whole time, to be <laughs> honest with you. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit not embarrassed, but I'm a bit, <laughs> I'm- uh.
0: I will sign Overcome. up. <laughs> I'll say as much. I, before let you go, I will say my, my last point for you, Julian. I would do ask you one quick question here. In Calgary, where is the best place to get some roti and a ting in Calgary?
2: <laughs> uh, I have a cousin who has a a, a restaurant here called uh, King Solomon's Kitchen. Embarrassingly enough, I have not been yet because oh. I've just been busy doing other stuff. Um, I've like we've hugged out and like I've had his cooking at his house and like it's it's great. Um, but uh, King Solomon's Kitchen in Calgary, I think, would be my vote for best place. Um, in terms of getting a ting, uh, Walmart, Walmart has tings. Really? Yes, yes, oh. I have, I have gone to Walmart and like I, when they have them, they have them. And like they're, uh, they well, every Walmart has like an international aisle.
1: The international, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah.
2: So like in the, the little section for like Caribbean stuff, like they'll have tings there uh i ha- i think it, i think i got paradrax from there too but i might have gotten it for another place but like paradrax th- like tings are one thing okay. you can have a tig and you can enjoy yourself like those are a little bit more common you find yourself a paradrax
1: mm-hmm. you might have
2: to, you might have to like put that in a vault because that's, <laughs> that's not true, easy true. To get. that's like something no. like holiday time and all that that's not easy to find
0: it, it is not
2: no. no, um, but yeah, I still have to find more Caribbean spots here. I have a lot of family who live in in Calgary actually, and I've been reconnecting with them through this whole thing. And it's been really great to see them and 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 hang out with them. We all watched Black Panther together a couple of weeks back. Like that was really fun. So yeah, I will uh I will hopefully have more spots. Hopefully. Isn't Carrie West out here? You were telling me one time. Edmonton, about... yeah.
0: Carrie West. Oh, yeah, it's Edmonton. Edmonton. Yes, Evanson. No, next summer. Gotta come up to carry with next summer, Julie. Gotta come jump in a wave next summer.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna have to make the drive, I guess, because, uh, you know, Swift that's, that's kind of nuts hours, that, it? like, it's three hours.
1: Three? Okay. Better.
2: Two yeah. hours are, like, okay, the final hour is boring as hell. Uh, it driving It is, up. though. It's, because you're just driving through farmland and then after a while, you're just like, I'm mm-hmm. tired of watching yep. the same damn plot of land for, <laughs> like, three hours. It's crazy.
0: It's true, yo. Yo, you ain't lying, but, Julie, crazy, we bro. we know we you we got places to be? So I'll let you go. But hey, on behalf of Marcia and myself, thank you for doing it through intermission podcast. We got to do it again sometime, brother.
2: Let me know. Uh, let me know uh, when you want me back on and uh, tell Reese, uh, you know. You know what? I'll, you know what? If you don't have anything uh, nice to say, don't say it.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm
2: just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I like Reese. Reese is cool. I was just I wanted Reese to be on the show, uh, but I hope he's doing well. I hope everyone else on the show. I was doing well. I'd love to be back on a uh, big fan of the show from a distance. It's really happy that this actually exists. And uh, you know, let me know when you guys want me back on.
0: Of course. Absolutely. All right. We are back in the third intermission podcast. Avery here and Marsha. We want to thank again, Julie McKenzie from the athletic Yahoo sports Canada and the Steve Dangle podcast network. One of the hardest working men in hockey media, Humble dude, killing it right now, covering the Calgary Flames. And it was a, a fun chat with him, would you say, Marsha? Loved it. It was great. He's so insightful. He's so humble. <laughs>
1: Take right? a compliment, Julian. But no, love, love that guy. It's, it's always great to, to talk to him. And hopefully we have him back on soon.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, could, not, I could not agree more as the podcast continues on. So in, in least Nation, he, a huge milestone for one, Mr. Ma, Mitchell Marner sets the least record for for points in a row. Nineteen games in a row. He has scored a point. And what a year run up for Marner. Nineteen games in a row to point is a quite accomplishment.
1: It no, it really is. And and he almost lost it there a few games <laughs> ago. But the, the fact that he was able to keep it going and he's finally surpassed his record. Just knowing Mitch, I see him having goals of like okay i'm gonna try to get to 25 <laughs> you know just just being ambitious like that that's just the kind of energy he seems to give off but i wonder if anyone else ever gets to a point where they're able to do that
0: like, like that's a great question because that level of that level of, of consistency is so hard to maintain as marner has 31 points now in this season and he is someone where we so we all know how much marner's game for a very long time has been critiqued. Can he do this? Is he a is he guy, is he, is he supposed to be one of the franchise guys on this team? But it's hard for me right now to critique him. How do you critique a guy who's on a 19 point, uh point streak? 19-game point streak. It's hard, it's hard to critique him right now as Leafs are one of the better teams right now in the Eastern Conference. The question, of course, now will be, can as a team, can the team sustain their success as we go um, past Christmas and into the New Year? Because... We all know for Toronto, the task isn't just performing in the regular season. It's not getting over that hump once again, come springtime.
1: Exactly. No, well, you're, you're a hundred percent right there. It's how do we keep ourselves together after this break and really remain consistent. And I think clean up the little things that we've had trouble with, like um, not being able to finish off in overtime or, um, Working to improve our special teams just a little bit, you know. Um, we'll we'll see where this month takes us and and what changes come in January, you know.
0: No, exactly, and you know, you know, what's died down? The topic that has died down during this run, Marsha. The oh, fire Sheldon Keith, fire Sheldon Keith. You know, (laughs) know, that's talking quiet now. You know, that people are real quiet now, Marsha
1: where did they go because i swear it was a week and a half two weeks ago that's all these people could say now they've like gone back hiding in the bush whatever they want whatever they want to do but you know it's people are so critical of every little aspect of toronto hockey and it just baffles me and it's like yes okay we can have our emotions but um, to kind of be so quick to jump and and criticize, let's say coaching staff, for example, um, when the 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 sample size mm-hmm. that we have is is just about yay big. It's it's not big at all. Um, it's so interesting how people can couch
0: coach. Right? No, it, it's totally true. And right, and right now, I, I will give. I know. Understand you want to get past first. So I totally get that right now, but and Keefe has put this team year in year out to be in a spot to be one of the better teams in, in the Eastern conference. And really who would you replace him with right now? Like who is a better option right now? Like he is one of the best coaches this team has had. I'll say, I'll go and say he's been in terms of what this le- the, in terms of what the least needed. He has been a better option than my Babcock ever was for this franchise. And some might say it's a hot take of spicy take. No, I don't think so. I think right now in terms of tenure, he is a better option than Babcock. And he's the best coach this team has had since the tenure of Pat Quinn.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It's like, who who would you even consider slotting in? And I while I think the Leafs could be one of those organizations to continue to break the... Uh, old boys club of, of hockey coaches, I just don't think we're at a point where we need to even consider that with Sheldon Keefe. Um, I think he's, he's young enough and new enough that he, he listens to feedback and he's able to prove that he's adaptable, which is a lot of things like the older coaches really kind of neglect and, and which is one of the things that kind of screwed Mike Babcock when he was here too.
0: No, of course. No, I, I totally agree on that, Marcia. Of course, Unleashed News, you know, um, great story when it comes to uh, Leafs land and shows once again how Wayne Simmons is salt of the earth, one of the best people in, bar, down, bar none, the entire sport. Um, seeing from Twitter, he brought in Isaiah Mayor croft and his, and his mom, Joni, their whole family, they came down to a Leafs-Devils game. And Wayne introduced Isaiah to Matthews Marner. and you know, from from a story that was terrible and heartbreaking to see Wayne bring Isaiah down to the least game and have him meet players and hang out with him for that day. I just I just thought that yo, know, that was such an amazing move for Wayne to show that much compassion and say, hey, come down, come hang out with me and the team for a night. I thought that was an amazing move on Wayne's part.
1: Yeah, no, it was great, you know, touch touch the heartstrings a little bit because realistically when we're looking at all that transpired over the last 2 months with with his I don't even want to say his name. I'm not going to put his name back out there, but to see how the organizations were so quick to dismiss Isaiah and all of this um to see Wayne and and the rest of the hockey diversity alliance bring him back to the forefront and say like you are what matters in all of this and and you deserve to feel safe and comfortable and enjoy a sport where there are some good people that really will will care for you in your time here it was nice it was a nice gesture for him to say that, like hey we care you know we want to see you thrive.
0: No, I I could not agree more, and that that just shows how Wayne is one of the best people in in the sport entirely. And um, going going from that to Hockey Canada, and you know, thanks to the work of Rick and so many people in the hockey world who've been on Hockey Canada and beyond on the federations in terms of how we can improve hockey. Um, what was shocking to me was, well, I wouldn't say shocking, but disappointing and appalling was requested, tweet out this week here that, that Hockey Canada released a report showing referees called 512 penalties during the 2021 2022 season for slurs, be it slurs pertaining to race, sexual orientation, identity, or other alleged discrimination. And The fact that 512, Marsha, like 512 with hockey, Ontario Hockey Federation leading the way with 152, Hockey Alberto 81, Hockey Eastern Ontario 71, BC Hockey 55, and prominently Hockey Quebec with 51. The fact that one that happened hundreds of times is way too many. And the fact that there's a breakdown of this per Every major federation in this province Mm -hmm. is that's embarrassing, and so this is a countrywide problem, a sport wide problem. Like, we should have never, once you get past one or two, you should nip this in the butt entirely. Over 500 is disgusting.
1: It's, I and to think that this was within the span of one season, not five, not 10. Mm-hmm. one season what do you say to like these are children for the most part yeah. or or early early to late teens what do you say to like is this getting back to their parents is this any sort of um external um work being done in terms of hey this is, these are not things you should be saying or doing and <laughs> what are we doing in in an anti-oppressive lens to ensure that this doesn't continue in our federations. But it seems like it's nothing because looking at these numbers, 512 were given penalties, but that is less than 60% because they're reporting over 900. Some had um, investigations after the fact, some were just left at, okay, you got a penalty in the game, let's leave it there. But that still leaves a large number where nothing was done. and. like where where do we go from here as a hockey organization in this country because from various instances of of sexual violence to other types of discrimination it's like so many people have been calling for overhaul but it goes so much deeper than the the people in charge and the board of directors you really have to look at full curriculum while people are playing sports within this organization.
0: No, I i totally agree with that. And yeah, like you, you have to address curriculum, you have to address um disciplines like it's just and also following up, okay, so there was a penalty call and this happened. What did these federations do to ensure this wouldn't happen again? Like something is happening where something's falling through the cracks and I mentioned how it was multiple federations in hockey Canada. It wasn't just okay. It wasn't just hockey Alberta. It wasn't just in Ontario. It wasn't just in NBC. It was a countrywide issue, and one the fact that this was crossing provinces, the fact that multiple um, provinces had this issue like that, any other any other industry instead of hockey or sports, and this wouldn't have been shut down immediately. The fact that it just happens over and over and over and over again, like you said, it, Marsha, in one year, it wasn't five, wasn't ten, it was one year. Like any other industry, and there'll be a shutdown until this was stopped.
1: Yeah, and it's like you think about the players who've been, or or even staff or officials. I don't, I don't. It it didn't really go as far as saying like who it was directed to, but the people affected. like what are we doing to ensure that they still want to be a part of this sport Mm -hmm. number one and number two um is this something that has kind of been internal and um it's just left to whoever was affected or like our families getting involved are these conversations that are being had because if it's a matter of the incident happens and that's it then how do we expect to see any sort of change
0: right exactly and that's a great point mentioned on people who want to stay in the game like or even get into the game period they see a report like this as like why should i play hockey when there's 500 um cases and uh, 900 that were, that happened that were attacking my race my sexual orientation my gender my back like it's not giving itself a reason for people to want to get in hockey or stay in hockey. Like you don't like, I mean, Of course, every sport has their issues. Every sport has the issues with this kind of stuff. But hockey is always leading the way. Hockey is always at top of this. And like that, that can't happen if you want people to still be invested in the sport. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and even, even going back to what we were talking about last week with the cost. Mm -hmm. of what it is to play hockey and and move on and and playing those higher levels if you're spending so much money to be in a sport only to be discriminated so again so many times along the way i could go play basketball i'll go play soccer you Mm -hmm. know where while it still exists it's significantly less in terms of what's being reported um so again it it comes down to like what do we want to do to retain all these people who are great talent um and, and really just want to be loved by a sport that they love so much.
0: No, it's it's totally true because like I mean I there was a great tweet I I wish you could find the tweet but someone made a so made a good point about this saying how hockey might be losing the next Con McDavid or the next um or the next Shansabados or the next Hillary Knight because of what's going on. And they are losing losing people to other sports like you know the next Name McKinnon probably switched to play basketball because he didn't want to deal with the continued abuse or the continued racism or continued sexism or continued harassment. And I don't blame him to an extent because when you keep facing that over and over and over again, no matter how good you are, it's like, is it even worth it anymore? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. And going from that to a more positive story, you know, Jason Robertson who is someone, of course, the Robertson family is 100 talented family with Jason and Nick both in the NHL and you seeing Jason Robertson leading the league in scoring not just because he's a fun player in a fun market in Dallas but seeing him being the way as a Filipino American man I just think in terms of diversity in terms of what he can do for the sport going forward it's amazing to see like there will be kids who are Asian American Asian Canadian see him and say hey that's a role model and i just i just want to see him lead the stars to even more more success marcia
1: no i you you said it i mean it just brings me so much joy seeing that he's thriving so well um he's being utilized in a way where he's really leaving his mark, um and and we saw this as he was like um, runner up to for, for the Calder last year. And I just think at that point, people weren't really sure of his full capabilities, if he was able to continue that kind of success that he had. But he's every day, every game, he is proving himself, proving how flexible he is and working with some of the younger players that Dallas has, but working with the vets. And he's even helping them um, kind of kind of push forward and 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 get back to in air quotations what they once were a few years ago so seeing his success and again in in that representation aspect it's so 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 important
0: no it really is and just in terms of growing the game in america growing the game down south i mean people people like to always again say the old the old narrative but you know oh what's happening here? You know, there's no hockey fans in this old market, this old market, which we we don't know. That's a tired BS excuse that hockey's growing. This is a kid from California playing in in Texas and being a draw there, you know, 41 points for Dallas. And if people would do their dang homework and realize that, you know, Texas is one of the fast growing states in terms of um, hockey involvement among youth hockey. So is California. And you got a guy who's best of both markets right now. I think that's going to be great. That like this is how you grow a sport. This is how the sport grows. And NHL should market. I'm a. i mean, we we all know NHL marketing is garbage. We all know NHL marketing yeah. is is trash. But it's like this is how, this is the guy you have to push along with the McDavid and Matthews, McKinnons, Jason Robertson, and all stars should be getting way more love on ESPN and TNT, Marsha
1: right no uh, you're it's so true you look at um the teams in the unconventional markets and and how they're kind of just pushed aside and you're so right people come around and i i've even fallen victim to say gary bettman's pushing hockey in arizona and florida because he wants more money like while it's a fun joke but there there comes a point in time where you have to realize like there's there's up and coming kids in these areas that mm-hmm. see these big players play hockey and, and it's relatively cheap to watch hockey down south in the yeah. states you know um so as you said they should put more of a focus on on players like jason robertson like um the, the dallas star socials this year has been really good they're playing into like the memes yes. when they beat another team they're they're doing more um, player interaction, more videos, and that is great. But I think looking towards what a team like the Leafs does with their next generation game, where they have um, young folks come in and do media, they have like young folks um, be part of that hockey experience. If a team like Dallas with a player like Jason Robertson were to do something like that and really focus on all the young people that are starting to come out to games more and more because they see a cool dude like that. I think that could take hockey, especially in the South to such a bigger level.
0: Yeah. I, I can agree more with that, Marsha. And I know it came out recently that the Arizona coyotes are considering playing a game in Mexico city. It's like, that's how you do it. That's how you look at growing. Cause you know, I love the fact that, you know, of course the is always going to have games in Czech Republic and Finland. That's great and all, those the markets that are already invested in hockey, like they already have NHL fan base, NHL market. Now it's about going into places where you can grow, where you can grow new fans and we don't have a market or, or the market isn't as big. That's Mexico City. NHL is considered games in Australia. Like that's right. how you get global growth. Go to places where you have not gone before yet. Exactly. So if, yeah, so if the global series next year is games in Australia and Mexico City, that's how you should do it to grow the game more. That, I would love that. Think outside the box. Because it's one thing
1: to say you're going to go to Europe, but half your league is from Europe. Mm-hmm. They have their family, their friends, the people that they've played against while they were home tuning in to watching the sport. So realistically, you're not reaching uh, as broad of a demographic as you can if you went to places like Australia, Mexico City, Go to Brazil. No? Yeah. Like, I, you know, there's
0: there's so many possibilities. Exactly. And before COVID, the NHL had, they had that uh, preseason game where the Bruins played the Flames in China. Like, what happened it's to going really- back to Asian markets? Like, put games again get in Tokyo? Like, the NHL had a plan for Asian growth, and then they haven't really, they they they've kind of fall off with that. Like, that's how you're supposed to, like, that was a smart plan. Of course, COVID did hit. But I'm not seeing, like, the immediate plans to get into different international markets have been a bit slow, but get back. Brazil, Sao Paulo, get back into there. Like we saw with tournaments happening there, there are huge hockey markets in Latin America, in South America, in Central America. Like I would love to see eventually. Yeah. A a game in Brazil, game in Colombia, game in Argentina, like get out there because in the NBA for decades, NBA has had games all over Europe, all over Asia. Australia the MLB had a game in Sydney MLB yeah. had, like all are other... you're letting the other leagues do it before you yeah every other league has been prominent in having games outside of North America but shell is still poking away still very slow And expect that didn't get to grow like you've got to get more aggressive in terms of getting your your product out to different uh, markets yeah and I, and I think to
1: even further that point, you need to work so much harder, especially if you're not gonna let your players play in the Olympics.
0: Right, that's a great point. That's a great that's, point. <laughs> a great point. That,
1: it was that one place where, mm-hmm. you know, okay, granted half the team is NHL players, but it's always the fact that we see this with women's hockey all the time, yeah. um, where, oh my gosh, I loved watching you during the Olympics. Where do I watch you afterwards? Mm-hmm. If you have the NHL players, then you have a whole bunch of people driving to watch NHL games. Um, so that, that that's one thing that you're missing out on. So what else are you going to do to compensate for the fact that you don't have that reach anymore?
0: Exactly. No, it's totally, I, I, and that's a great point with women's hockey, how people, you know, they watch Olympics every once in four years. They watch the games with Canada, the U.S., Finland, Switzerland. And then it, I, I won't say as much, Joe, the, the PHF has done a better job in terms of marketing and, and getting out there more. You're seeing more companies invest, investing in women's hockey so those of you who want to get up here and say, you know, oh, no, no one killed killer women's hockey. That's a lie. That's mm-hmm. garbage. Like, mm-hmm. open your eyes, realize that women's hockey has a massive audience of the pro and college level. That's a bunch of BS. But it's like, yeah, like, getting your stars out there more and more is going to be huge for this game to grow. Yeah, no Olympics. Okay, well, then you better get the Leafs and the Avalanche and the Stars and the Oilers and all the other teams, with the Global Stars. In these different markets, you want your sport to grow some more. Yeah. yeah. All right. And before we wrap things up here on the third edition, any last thoughts, Marsha? Anything else you want to touch up before we wrap things up on this episode tonight? Just
1: looking forward to to the games that we've got this uh, this week here. Uh, you know, trying trying to trying to break the curse. I haven't been to an in person hockey game yet for this season. Hopefully, I can go see Calgary on Saturday. Um, I I'm really looking looking forward to where this team is going. I I feel like I've been the the, the driver <laughs> of optimism and hope, but that's what's keeping me going. So we'll see where I am a few months down the line. But um, just really excited for this week and, and seeing Mitchell uh try to continue
0: this point streak here. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, and for me, you know, I mean, to see what's going to happen in terms of in net with the Oilers because. Stuart Skinner wins another game in net as he, would let he, he was a part of the Oilers win over Montreal. And the controversy continues in terms of what it will is do in net because Jack Campbell still has been very streaky. And Stuart Skinner, when given the net, has delivered. So, boy, it's going to be a wild next month or so to see if Stuart Skinner ends up being number one guy in Edmonton's net
1: but like even even on that really quickly is why would you take it away from him you know even even if okay jack campbell is supposed to be the guy if the guy that you brought in to take over for your guy is doing the best right let's let's you know and until until he gets to a point where he might burn out or anything like Mm -hmm. let's try not to get him there but if he's consistent that is your number one goal you don't want yeah. to take that away from the team that's skating in front of him.
0: Yeah, and I know and Jay Woodcroft is still doing this, alternating um, Campbell and Skinner every other game, but it's like right now you're seeing way more confidence in Stuart Skinner than Jack Campbell. I know, there was a, the, I know there was a money invested in Campbell, the five-year deal, but right now your number one is Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It'll be fun times ahead for both the Oilers and the least we wrap things up here on the third intermission podcast. We'll, we'll be back again next weekend with a fresh sh- with a fresh show, and hopefully, Mister Dave Barnett back in the saddle, helping out with the hosting duties. For Marsha Joseph, I'm Avery Lewis McDougal. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Have a good night. Peace.